Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. Uh, we are focusing on yet another episode of this, the last season, the last part of The Walking Dead, uh, the OG series. Um, so I am here as always, and I hope you would expect with my intrepid co host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Uh, hello, AJ. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna chat about this episode. I did not, I deliberately did not watch it, (laughs) which is probably a good idea. Um, and we have just a couple of little tidbits, uh, but not too much in the way of news out there. Um, so if you want to, to kick it off, Stuart, let's, let's go. Yeah, I'll say, I'll agree with you. It's not a lot of news, but the news that dropped this, this week was super exciting for me. Um, I did not think The Last of Us was coming out before next summer. And so I guess it was a leak. Uh, Somebody like left the premiere date in the app is how this news broke. But then once it was confirmed, um, in in our show notes, I have a screen capture from Bella Ramsey's Instagram account, I guess, who is the, the female lead from the show. And she says, okay, it's January 15th. Uh, here it is. Um, so very exciting news uh, to get, get us through those dark winter months. I don't know how long it's going to be. I imagine it'll be like six episodes because it's going to be a big expensive show, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about it. Um, this will be really cool to watch, you know, in the doldrums after all the holidays. So yeah. I'm excited to see this thing. Um, and then um, I think that... Uh, the only thing that the only other thing that was sort of on the roster was this blight trailer, which I'll let you talk about because this is your thing. Yeah, I think a lot of well, it depends on what kind of Internet you uh, inhabit. But this was definitely a big part of my Internet. Uh, this trailer dropped for a game that I've never heard of called Blight. This also fills a niche that I feel like is underserved in our genre, which is medieval zombies. I mean, we get it with the Joseon drama of uh, Korea uh, mm. from Kingdom. But we do not see it typically in the European area. So this is a trailer that follows a character, third person. It has kind of the look and feel of a uh, Dark Souls-like game. Um, And it is very muddy and uh, very brutal. And it's just like a, a knight in plate armor running around and killing zombies and then avoiding humans um in a quite beautiful and filthy looking uh areas i mean some criticisms that i've already seen out there are well this knight in plate mail armor also does like a low crawl through a swamp which you know plate mail typically weighed between 33 and 55 pounds and doing a low crawl in that and trying to be stealthy without clanking your way through the swamp would be really difficult but it's a game and it fills that uh that whole that well what i could perceive as a, a missing part of of our genre uh, i believe there has been a zombie movie set in the medieval times you and i have never seen it but it's on one of our many lists of things we would like to see one day hmm. well did you watch the video i did i did so like yeah i i think we can we can you know, see see what happens with this thing. And um, as an aside, and talking about the Joseon dynasty, there was this whole like um, 
weird little cabinet, which I think I sent you a photo of, Stuart, of the oh, yeah. different hats of the Chosen Dynasty, and I was really excited to see it. Although I think it was a semi-modern interpretation or something, but um, you know, they they were like the dynasty of many hats, and it made me very happy. Yeah, wasn't it that was like a name for Josen was like the land of hats or something along yeah, yeah, those lines? Yeah, it was something like that. And I was like, yes, somebody else agrees with me. So anyway, um, that was exciting. And as and an aside. Um, but yeah. without further ado, do you want to talk about what's been lost? Not our minds, obviously, but in that's the title of this episode. Those were lost um, long ago. This mm-hmm. one uh was written by Eric Mountain and directed by Aisha Tyler. Um, who is also the focus of Angela Kang's glowing um, after show mm-hmm. <laughs> explanation. And Aisha Tyler, we knew had done Fear the Walking Dead because she actually also played a part on that show. I don't know if she's done The uh, the World Beyond, but Angela Kang made it sound like she had directed multiple um, Walking Dead shows, so I, or all of them even. I don't know um, if she just was overstating it. Like she's only done fear and the walking dead. And just in that, in that alone, in that accomplishment, she is kind of standing by herself. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, And so. Were there any directorial choices in this episode that you can remember that um, would make you think, huh, Aisha Tyler. Not per se. Um, I was a little bit more focused. Like I've been really focused about how they're trying to sort of, um, sort of spin spin out these tales, looking at the characters, looking at, you know, and there's specific things that kind of happen, um, you know, like like in this episode that are kind of interesting and, and not, to me, not very surprising. Um, there is, you know, a lot of stuff with Carol in this episode that I do think that um, Aisha Tyler was pretty good at at dealing with and at sort of presenting and reminding us of um and what i'm talking about is you know carol's tendency to sort of be this um you know person that started like she's a very good chameleon and she's very good at sort of playing both sides of the field to her not her own interest but i guess though that could be implied a little bit but more um in the interest of what she views as the interest of her own little community. Right. So that, that was some of the things in this episode that I was really interested about um, specifically something that happens at the end, but I don't want to give too much. We have to talk about that, that, but I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Um, there was some so- good, uh, some good combat. Uh, like it turns out that she's <laughs> pretty good at directing combat. Yep. No, um, there was definitely some good combat scenes too. Yeah. Um, but I thought that this was a good episode. Um, and so, and I also think that it answered one of our long trending questions about this whole uh, community and how it's running, right? Um, because one of the things that we have talked a lot about is, okay, so we only see the same X amount of people, but it takes an enormous number of people to keep the things that we're seeing in this community going and so many different pieces and levels of manufacturing and things like that. So, yeah, um, they, but they start they to introduce new, they introduce <laughs> new characters though, in this episode, um, like, cause yeah, you got 50,000 people. You're going to have a lot of, there should be a huge cast of yep. like, of, of important people in the Commonwealth. And we see a few of them and we see a different, 
I don't know if we'd seen this female colonel before from the Commonwealth Army who's like standing in for Mercer almost in this episode. I don't know if we have, but yeah, she stood out definitely. Uh, uh, you know, like she's accredited a uh, person yeah like so it kind of what what to me that sets up is unless it was just like mercer was unavailable that day or um michael Sha- i forget that dude's name every time he has three names uh but what they're probably setting up is that one of them will be the company person and one of them will be the good guy and they will be fighting each other right like to me to me that's what that's it's chekhov's traitor or something like that you, you're gonna have um it's probably gonna be mercer is gonna be fighting against Milton at some point. I, that's yeah. my prediction anyway. And oh, so yeah, they're, they're introducing this character to be uh, the the company person who will who will fight him. Um, and, you know, that's that's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, this episode also introduces a, a very unlikely scenario where <laughs> at the beginning, the first scene uh, is well, after the montage, which is of um, Daryl and Carol's romance, um, platonic as it may be. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the first scene is Carol in the bakery, and she hears Ezekiel's footsteps and IDs him by his feet, and then within like five seconds he is he is uh, hoodwinked or absconded with, and she has no idea how this happened or where he yeah. went. It's really weird. That to um, me that's that's kind of a weird disconnect. And I, and I just said you know this is a great episode and everything, but to to call out that she has these amazing senses and can hear who people are by the way they walk and then completely not notice that he was just taken three feet away from her. I feel like it's right. a strange and this, choice. And this is the comment I kind of made in the last episode is that the one thing that is hard for me to sort of like not accept, but like that seems weird to me is that, you know, Carol and Daryl and and our little group of of you know heroes here, or ragtag um, anti heroes, whatever you want to call them, have been doing this a really long time. They've come up against groups like this um, with all the events that have been happening. I don't feel like Carol would be sitting there in the bakery doing what she's doing. Um, I also feel like if they have these weird little like plans to escape or like how they had the kids up on the fire escape, like already and whatever, I feel like they would have gotten everybody out already at this point. Instead, they all, you know, people that they know and people that they care about are being captured, obviously, as collateral. Um, And, you know, to me, it's sort of strange that it would was done this easily, I guess. Um. And, yeah, and these right? guys who they send after them apparently are are like really hardcore, and they they go to the effort of showing you that because of how Daryl is is handling it. We've seen him kill people so easily. Right. Uh, Angela Kang explains it away that he was with children, and that's why he's having such a hard time. But the children are not in the scene no. when we are introduced to it. He is just having a really hard time fighting off a guy who he already has already stabbed and left a knife inside. Right. And I'm like, this this guy's overpowering you, Daryl. Like maybe maybe you're just having an off day. Uh, but wow, it, just, it, it feels like they kind of they have a problem with Daryl where she talks. Angela Kang again talks at the end of the show about how he's not a superhero. He's just a guy who's really tough and scrappy. But they've they've made too many they've choices in the previous. Yeah, they've done too much to make him feel impervious and really strong to have him now struggle against this one yeah. dude. 
Right. And then that's the other thing. It's like, okay, we know who Daryl and Carol are. We know who they are. And again, it makes it sort of the idea that, that the Milton militia is just able to sort of snag all these people so quickly and that our people weren't prepared for it because obviously they understand what they're dealing with, or at least that's what it felt like. So that felt a little weird, but I do understand why they did it because you couldn't have that great scene that we're going to talk about later on between um, like uh, Carol and and Hornsby and Carol and Daryl and Hornsby. And so I I know that that's part of why it was set up. Um, The other thing that is set up is, you know, the idea of some of their people being sort of involved in this government and Yumiko has been uncomfortable with her role and with Milton and and with some of the things that the Commonwealth is doing um, and is really put into a particularly difficult position. And I think that they use her as a very um, specific example of um, the fact that, you know, they are, it's sort of a more um, sort of present example of the fact that they're using her brother as collateral to make her do and to exert pressure on her to do what they want her to do. Yeah. Um, And I can see how this would get to this point because this is, she's basically being put in the same position that Mercer is every day. Uh, Like it was probably never that overt that Max was a hostage almost for the Miltons. I mean, she was a, a willing participant in their regime for a long time. But the way he reacts to threats is like, I'm not going to rock the boat because I've got to worry about my sister and the people of this community. Um, Yumiko is they put her they try to put her in the same boat like, oh, we've got all your friends and your brother. And her response is kind of predictably Alexandrian in a way. Right. Like I said last time, they basically are fine watching the world burn to in defense of their principles most of the time. Uh, like during the Savior War, they were there was a while when they were just like, okay, sir, whatever you say, boss, to Negan. Uh, and I feel like they're they're not up for that. Uh, and so Milton should know better. She hasn't done her homework on these people, but it's um, it's like uh, you know they they and and also the Miltons already got burned once by saying really terrible things and not knowing if they were being recorded. Yeah, <laughs> where she's basically threatening. Uh, everybody who's been hood, uh, taken and 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 told me their doctor. Um, yeah, that, that was just a really strange series of choices. Right, and so predictably, you know, like there's the whole the whole piece where Eugene is taking the fall for um for for the the Milton stuff that has happened, and Yumiko is supposed to be prosecuting him and and i was like oh i bet she's gonna come out and say she'll defend him in the end which is exactly what she did um and i yeah, think because you give her a microphone you give her a pedestal and what do you expect her to do right right and then the weird thing is it's like so she calls out the thing about her brother which i don't know what that's gonna do um, he's just gonna die at the end of the season because right, he's a spineless yeah like obviously he has to but i think you know at least from my point of view the most interesting piece of all of this is the stuff with lance hornsby and and carol and you know um he you know there's the the scene where he's you know sort of lying in this weird bloodbath of of the you know uh with zombie sebastian and daryl like comes in and dispatches sebastian um, and then, you know, of course they want him, they think he has knowledge and they want him to lead them to where people are being held and so that they can maybe get a jump on their friends. And I like, look, I think that Josh Hamilton plays this role incredibly well and Ugh. he is so good in this, um, that, you know, 
he predictably is like, okay, what can I play to my advantage? Um, and you know, this whole, this whole particular episode starts out with a montage about Carol or Carol's like, you know, sort of a reminder of her journey. And so it is, I think meant to be satisfying with the, the end of this particular journey with, with Hornsby that, um, you know, he certainly has underestimated her, although he hasn't really, cause he calls out exactly who she is. So I do think he fully understands it. He's just hoping that he'll be able to somehow bring he, that he, over. To his he hasn't, yeah. He's unrealistically <laughs> optimistic about how, how things are going to play out. Um, one of the other big, well, things that I wrote in all caps when I was watching this episode was they even took dog. Like these guys, and that's what and that's what Daryl says, which is like yeah. really funny. It's like, well, okay, um, which which is just so unnecessary. Uh, but yeah, so Hornsby's like also completely gone round the bend. By the time they get into his cell, he's mm-hmm. he's uh, moaning a, a mantra to himself. He's mm-hmm. looking at that coin. Um, it's and he hasn't killed Sebastian. I guess he he feels like he can't. Uh, yeah. Because he'd be punished if he did, yeah. but they uh, Daryl puts Sebastian down, and before they leave the cell, Hornsby squishes his head and, and leaves his calling card just to twist the knife on Milton, which lets you know he's not looking to work with Milton in the future. Like he the, he no. he knows, and the audience can figure out that this this act does not leave him with a bridge back. And maybe there never was one and maybe everybody was up clear on that. But to me, I was like, this guy can always wriggle around and find another way. Uh, but by yeah. doing that, he does, he's like, he's definitely throwing in his lot, almost certainly throwing in his lot with Carol. Uh, but, <laughs> but every time he opens his mouth, Carol trusts him a little less. So it's kind of funny to watch them after they escape the prison and Daryl stays behind to, hold off the guards um and escapes Im- very improbably somehow uh every time hornsby talks to carol you could just see it on her face that she's like nah <laughs> you're you are a very untrustworthy individual right and i mean that's the other thing it's like they even give him you know as much of a chance as as he deserves but they certainly do not want this guy anywhere near them um, and he, you know, he has a bit of hubris and he reveals probably too much. And they both are like, well, we don't need you anymore because you just told us sort of what's happening. Um, and now we're going to give you, a, I mean, I think they fully expected him to do what he did. Um, and they were waiting for their moment to take him out. But like, um, it was, you know, a pretty, I liked the whole dynamic between these three. It was a great scene. Um, and, I was Definitely. a little disappointed that he was so certain that he couldn't survive out in the uh, in the world. Maybe that's just like true of most Commonwealth people who haven't come in recently. Maybe most of them faced with the decision of having to go out would be like, I can't live out here. This will never work. But he's so certain of that, that he's willing to go up against Daryl and Carol, who he knows are ultimate badasses. Right. Uh, it's, it's just like a it's almost like suicide by cop in that scenario yeah and i mean it's nice to see them paired together and i like that um there was some weird but- framing in this uh, in this in that scene because carol is standing like four or five feet behind daryl and kind of behind yeah. him yeah. but she's also talking to hamilton not josh <laughs> to hamilton to hornsby <laughs> and uh I, I was just like i was wondering why they had her standing that far back maybe it was so that she could hide the fact that she was drawing 
an arrow. You could even see it in the scene that she already had an arrow on her bowstring. Uh, she had it ready to go. I was like, all right, cool, cool. Um, but it was just, yeah, I was curious, like, why, like, was that to make her seem less threatening? Um, but yeah, it was weird. Like, you know, in, in some, in some contexts that would look like Daryl was, you know, as the male in front of her to either shield protect uh, something, but you know, that's not the case with those two. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is going on here? It was interesting. Yeah. Um, but the big reveal is something that we, I mean, it at least explains a little bit, but the fact that there's trains, uh, that there's a supply train that the missing people are being basically used as labor. Um, we know that. Uh, yeah, they, uh, he mentions it. Um, and oh. so I, I think, um, at least um mm. we will hopefully see a little bit more of this so that it's not just in our imaginations but that would explain how things are kept running um and we did see sort of a little bit just when hornsby went out to do his visits with that little community that he was having an altercation with that carol was with um not quite the same thing but we did see that he was dealing with different communities in a pretty nasty way um and you know at least in that particular case it wasn't um, you know, it, he, he was certainly using leverage and things like that, but they still seem to be dealing with him either out of necessity, but still out of their own free will. But this is a thing where, um, you know, probably they are not necessarily there voluntarily. So, um, it shows another level and a pretty nasty level of the Commonwealth that we haven't yet seen. So, um, so I'm I'm curious to see if the next few episodes hopefully reveal that. Um, I guess they're following the su- supply train, so we'll see something, right? We yeah. I I don't feel like I understand. I guess it makes sense that they would be putting these people to work on a chain gang. They could also just hire them to do this. I don't understand why they would feel like they need to do slave labor. Uh, but maybe that's just so that we know that they're bad guys. Uh, but it just feels unnecessary because it's a closed economy. Like, right? I agree. Milton but... can print money. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't seem to make any sense. Right. Um. So the there's there's a bunch of scenes that have happened before this train station though, like Hornsby leading Carol into a into a dark dark tunnel where they run into some zombies. It, not a lot here happens to like drive the story forward. Right. Um. But you're kind of waiting for Hornsby to double cross her. And he doesn't. Uh, but he's also not like helping very much. Um, but I don't know. Like, did you have any feelings about that scene where they're when they go in there and then there's oh, there's actually a really cool effects moment in that tunnel because of the zombie with the skin that just comes completely off. But uh yeah, I guess there wasn't a lot like for the plot in there. Yeah, yeah, not a ton. Um I think this is just a setup you know, the Carol and Daryl stuff and then to basically, you know, move the plot forward to see, like, I think we're going to have to see the missing people at some point and it's going to, there's going to be some rescue effort. We're going to have to see the people that are held hostage um, for a big showdown or something like that. There's also the scene of Tommy, um, like Yumiko goes to the hospital uh, and talks to Tommy, who is like, you should do whatever Milton tells you to do because that's survival, which is how you know that he is not worth holding on to and Yumiko kind of has some of that realization on her face mm-hmm. even though she holds him up as yeah like this hero to the commonwealth uh, in her right before she says oh, I'm going to be defending him and you know screw you uh, like he the fact that he tells her to do what Milton wants kind of just underscores for us the audience that he 
this doctor slash baker is a spineless jellyfish and um probably not worth worrying too much about but i don't know that's a that's a tough sell so we'll see how the how the show continues to treat that relationship but yumiko runs into connie in the hospital who we haven't seen in a little while who has also escaped her captors by stabbing one in the leg and then following and then coming to the hospital to find him uh and then yumiko is like i will uh track down this guy and find out where they're keeping our friends tries to follow him through our obligatory commonwealth town square scene and he like completely makes her not right away but it's a little absurd to me because if you look at the amount of background actors going through the scene too there's just people it's like that scene from the savior war where there's a there are 300 saviors in a room and they're all walking in different directions um it was a, a an insane scene for yumiko to be caught in mm-hmm. a way uh but you know and then milton like gloats about it to her later and it's like that i didn't like i didn't love that i thought that was I didn't unrealistic love it either i thought it was unrealistic as well um so eh. um so no, this was not i mean other than the daryl and carol and hornsby stuff which is why i was talking about that stuff more i didn't love the the yumiko aspect of this episode i found it to be a little bit ridiculous but um look i think they're trying to highlight the different characters and trying to give them each a little bit of the stage so i think that that was part of this and i do think at least for yumiko who was uh you know we've watched her with her different groups we've watched her go through a lot of different journeys in this but in terms of like her sense of right and wrong and her sense of what the community should be um, I think that this, you know, you, you have to kind of figure out where you stand and she did. And this was her line in the, in the sand. So um, and, you know, I, I thought I did like the scene between her and Eugene where he's just like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And he was very just sort of like, I'm just going to take my fate. And that's kind of where he's been all along. Um, and maybe that that spurred Yumiko on because it's not even like he's he's sort of like well, have faith in our in our friends and our community. And it was interesting, the sort of difference between the conversation with Eugene and the conversation with Tommy. Um, and so even though Tommy is like a blood relation, I would say, you know, the community that she has chosen is much more in line with what she believes in at this point. So that's going to be that interesting to see how that plays out. And I and I think you're right. I think Tommy's probably going to die. Well, he's also a doctor <laughs> in The Walking Dead, right? I mean, sometimes right, right. two of them die no, in an episode. There's no good track record for those doctors. We all know this. No, so. and Ezekiel has been doing some doctory stuff lately, so it might not bode well for him either. Um, and, you know, honestly, she doesn't make that decision to say she's going to defend Eugene until after she hears that Colonel's radio say that Carol, Daryl, and Hornsby are all out in the in the wind, uh, and that probably paints a little bit of her decision because she's like, "Wait, there's still a chance of outside help," and so even though I'm putting my friends and Tommy at risk in a way, there's there's a non-zero chance that some you know it's Carol for Pete's sake. She's I know. she's a master of coming in and and blowing up terminus, right? So we'll yep. see how it goes. That's all I could think about. I was like, oh, you know, she's just going to go and single-handedly do something crazy. And Carol, well, they showed that one. scene even. I in know, the, I know. I was like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go back to that. Remember this, Carol. So, uh, so we'll yeah. see. And and you know what? The I was thinking, uh, reading through my notes too. Hornsby and Carol in the dark tunnel. There is some plot that I think will come back. Even though Hornsby's dead, he does try to. 
he's trying to persuade Carol to like put him on the throne after Milton's been dethroned, right? Like that's kind of the what he's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but he's going about it by saying, you don't want that job. Uh, yeah. After Milton is out, there's going to be 50,000 people you're responsible for. And um, think of the children, think of the next generation. And I think those arguments actually do resonate mm-hmm. and they would resonate with Carol. And and even though she has been saying, even in this episode and in the episodes beforehand, this isn't my problem anymore. Uh, this this community is not, you know, they're not my people. I think what, at the end of the day, she will be swayed by what he was saying and realize the scope of of the responsibility of a regime change. Like you can't if you just cut the head off the monster. You think everything's just going to go fine? Like it's all just going to settle down? No, this like that's 50,000 people who would probably die. Also, remember, this is Queen Carol. So she and Ezekiel helped run a community. Granted, it wasn't quite as complex (laughs) as this, but it was like it was like 120 people. Definitely not the same, but she's not exactly a stranger to what that means. So I think, you know, in terms of she does have a dedication to the children and the more vulnerable people, um, just still like playing in from long, you know, like Sophia times. Um, so like, I, I definitely think that you, we saw that. I, I agree with you. I think that plot's going to come back or that theme is going to come back and we're going to have to see what happens there, but yeah, they've been laying that um, groundwork in the episode before this with all the, I want to yeah. stay and help. No, I want to, I want to leave. Yeah. This, this and, then is also, and also the new kingdom. Come on, come on. I think yeah. we're, we're seeing some things that are being pretty clearly laid out. Yeah. going to happen. So, um, um, after they after they have to put down Hornsby at the train station, um, I always find this such an odd choice. Like Carol does not retrieve her arrow out nope. of his throat and they don't put him down. And I just feel like this is zombie apocalypse littering. Like <laughs> the, the, don't, not retrieving your arrow is just wasteful. You have yeah. 10 arrows. Like, what are you thinking? But like leaving a guy to turn, it's either vengeful or it's irresponsible. Well, I think it's definitely vengeful. I think they feel like he deserves it. I think he that... deserves to be a zombie and who might kill one of their friends one day. Like, well, kind of that's, that's the problem. But that's the yeah. problem with it. And that's why I'm like, eh, I don't know. I think just better to take that dude out because wouldn't it suck if one of your friends got eaten by Hornsby? Yeah. Like, you know, same thing with why Sebastian needed to go down to Right. So that's kind of exactly what happened with, well, Carl and Dale. Like, Carl was messing around with that zombie in the swamp in episode in season two. And then that same zombie comes and scoops out Dale's insides uh, an episode or two later. And Carl feels bad about that for a while. And never in the house. So there you go. He was never, ever in the house. Uh, So the final scene of this episode is uh, the people on the bus getting injections in their necks. And I mean, have you seen uh, 13 Lives or whatever it is that Ron Howard uh, biopic? of the uh the Thai kids in the cave uh I have not but I have heard good things about it well you you don't have to watch that film there's a lot of actually there's I think there's like a bunch of documentaries and stuff about it now because what they did was they um sedated these kids right to get them out because Mm -hmm. the cave was still flooded um sedating people anesthetics anesthesia and what was the word and uh anesthetists and anesthesiologists it's a really uh, it's not like a clear science it's you can you can overdo it you can underdo it you can really you can really injure somebody and they're giving these people sedatives on a moving bus in the dark uh 
just shooting him in the neck. And there's just some soldier doing it. And then you have to also remember they've got the children. Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they sedating the children and dog? <laughs> is dog being sedated? Uh, that was the only thought going through my head while I'm watching this. Like they're in a bus that's being driven and yeah. they're doing insanely delicate work uh, at night. And I thought it felt it felt really um, uncool. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you have some medical professionals here, but it's incredibly difficult to do that for kids um, and do it well. Like you can kill somebody pretty easily um, and you can also kill people who have like health conditions and things like that. And, you know, and do you also have a vet? And as as you said, I thought the same thing. I'm like, did they also sedate dog? (laughs) So Dog probably doesn't need to be sedated. He could just be caged or crated or whatever. But also I I imagine a bunch of these people don't need to be sedated. Right. It's just weird. Um, So I'm not, totally sure i think they're just trying to make them seem even more evil if that's possible um so yeah you know. yeah it was it was a uh, uh, an odd choice it also kind of underscores the fact that okay they've got medicine all this all these nods to their ability to to produce things that shouldn't exist anymore right um and saying that out loud makes me remember that while tommy was being that that kind of coward made me think people like him are supposed aren't supposed to be around anymore. Isn't that a, a, a something somebody said on this show years ago in yeah. the in the chronology of the shows? Like people like you aren't supposed people like you are all supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the context was now. If it was like Goody Two Shoes, like Boy Scouts, like Rick Grimes. Um, but but when you run into someone as uh, as spineless as Tommy, who probably has never. Th- gone face to face with a zombie or if he has it, it was like really lucky that he got away and who has zero principles actually there were probably lots of people like that in the zombie yeah. apocalypse yeah um i guess that you know the the other piece that i just kept thinking about is like they're going through it's sort of a little in line with what you were saying like they could just pay the people to go and do this labor to do whatever this is because it is like kind of a closed community and everybody benefits yeah. um And so that's the part that I am, I do struggle with and I have been struggling with overall for the Commonwealth stuff. It's like, well, you have these people doing these, doing these, making these moves. um, And some of them seem to be so um, incredibly complex and convoluted and also an enormous amount of energy expending on things that it feels like you wouldn't be able to do it because we're just trying to survive. And so, you know, this, it, to me, other than sort of driving the point home that these people are really evil, to me, it doesn't make sense that this is even happening. Um, so the whole sedation thing, the whole slave train thing or whatever, the enslaved uh, people of the the community thing, um, even all the sort of effort, like, so if you have like a whole militia that you've trained um, and they're supposed to be both protecting the community from walkers but also just protecting the elite in the community from the people in the community like it just feels like they're going to have their hands full more so with the walkers at least from what we have seen um so i don't know that it all makes sense and fits together in a way that for me is like okay that 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 i get that i get why they made these decisions in the community it isn't like i don't know like i guess the example i would give is the people that it, it's not like the things that they would be doing are so out unless we are, we're going to maybe see this in the, in the, um, 
the coming episodes, but it's like, you know, we all need to, to eat. So there probably would be farmers in this community. It's like, do you really need to enslave people to do that? Right. Yeah, um, this feels it, like a basic sort of a basic effort that, right. that everybody would be on board with. <laughs> right. And there's probably, be. and there's probably some people evil either who have those skills or would learn those skills, like other than yeah. people like, you know, I mean, Tommy learned how to be a baker weirdo. Um, but like, it just feels like this doesn't make like this seems like so much effort for things that don't make sense or like yeah it, it feels know. like a clumsy effort to do a snowpiercer type metaphor of, yeah like, no there's totally. this, especially when you introduce those donors at the beginning of this episode the like well healed suits and ties people who are like oh i'm glad our you know our, our donations have been well received or whatever get down there's a cat on the shelf that shouldn't be there get down which which cat get down you mother uh yeah so it's very i feel like they're <laughs> it's not as good as snowpiercer and i didn't like snowpiercer if you recall but mm-hmm. at least that metaphor was well dis- established and developed right. and um the it, you know like the commonwealth is not a a train like it is but it is also an environment where you should be able to get people to do things because it's in their mutual best interest right and and this class thing doesn't really work as i've no. said before i've said it enough times that i don't need to say it anymore it it's not going to work mean, in this sort of zombie apocalypse scenario no and so that's the that's the thing that i just feel is a bit clunky and i guess we'll have to see how this plays out maybe i'll change my mind we'll have to see um but i think you get you know as, as sort of exaggerated and and you know um bad as it was i think even with the saviors uh again we we talked about we commented on this as well of just like how many it would take them and they would just magically sort of appear and have these like sort of coordinated efforts in what was clearly a very difficult community to live in um but that to me some of the things that they were doing made a lot more sense like and it was a specific type of totalitarian totalitarian leadership um, under Negan um and so in this case this is definitely i mean it's commentary on the class the divisions um so we'll have to see how this plays out but it doesn't fully doesn't seem fully formed to me so we'll have no. to i mean the, yeah there's definitely shades of uh was it land of the dead yeah the, uh, the romero movie where they the the uh, dennis hopper and his people were living in the in the tower mm-hmm. and john legazamo and and the rest of those other guys were kind of out, out there, there in their apocalypse truck scavenging yeah. um yeah, so it, it the Commonwealth has never been as developed as I wanted it to be. And and maybe to do it the way I want it would cost, you know, $7 million more. Uh, but I, 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 I want to feel like there are ways you can do this with dialogue, you know? Like, you maybe don't show me the farms and the factories, but talk about them. Um, and, and make Milton less mustache twirly, because she is now, by... Right. Um, just wanting her, just having her trying to like lead through a dynasty instead of, um, a, you know, a transition of government to another qualified candidate instead of slave train. It does, right. it does feel just a little heavy handed. Well, like, so that's, that's one of the things that I, I was like, oh, this would have been a real opportunity. Like, for example, when they had her uh, sort of discussing the fact that there was extra left in the Founder Day, Founders Day fund. Um, mm-hmm. and the suggestion by, um, oh gosh, why, you know, Max. Uh, by Max to like, 
oh, well, maybe we could use this as a way to like build the community and things like that. And, you know, I thought that was like an opportunity for them to sort of show a little bit more like why Milton either got the job or had the job. Um, they make it mustache twirly. So she's like, oh, no, that just goes back. Why would we do that? Um, yeah. Like it would to me, it would have made more sense to kind of show maybe one of the decisions Milton has had to make, um, which you could disagree with, but maybe you could be like, oh, well, I guess like I get why she's sort of in this position. And it would have made it, a, to me, the the area a little bit more gray and interesting. Um, because I feel like from what we have seen of Milton and her quote unquote dynasty, I don't know that I believe that people would have kept her in power. So other than to sort of, I guess, keep their creature comforts, but it doesn't, it feels like there's a lot of breakdowns across the board with some of these things. Um, and I also think that based on the, what the big reveal with the sort of, you know, the hot mic or the hot recording, whatever you want to call it, I, I don't know that she would still have the support that they seem to be acting like she has. Like it does feel like it would have fallen apart a little bit more quickly, or at least people would have been skeptic skeptical. Yeah. Like, and they're not, so they're not showing us the uh, authoritarian side of things. We have soldiers everywhere. And there were some scenes of people looking at the soldiers, like right. in the town square, if that's supposed to tell me like, Oh, they're uncomfortable with the military presence that's in the Commonwealth now. Okay, I guess it's kind of a stretch because there wasn't there was it was really like you could blink and you miss it sort of right. you know stuff. But you could make the argument that this upper class of Commonwealth is only holding on to power because of the Commonwealth Army. That mm. makes sense. They are dressed like stormtroopers, like sure, um, but they haven't really made a huge effort to show us that yet. Right, and so I guess that's maybe, and maybe they will. And maybe they will in this next and and maybe it's that we are they are doing these things kind of in under the radar and definitely not in public view, like what happened at Negan's little tower settlement. Right. Um, so they go out there and they're being very quiet about the, the sort of nefarious things that they're doing. And in that case, it was because, you know, Hornsby was doing his his and that other crazy guy were doing their dirty work and you know, taking care of these communities in a very strange way. And there was some, you know, so that that wasn't necessarily in the public peer view. So I guess we've seen a lot of the more nefarious stuff and maybe that isn't in the public eye, but it still feels like I I hope they do a better job of telling this and seeing a little bit more where how the citizens are feeling at this point in the game. Um, yeah. And it may be that they're just scared and, you know, in some ways they have been not they have not been this is a community that is not doing this sort of daily defense so they're a little less prepared to sort of defend themselves or take over and and sort of just being passive may be the answer for them right or seem like it's the best answer so i guess we'll have to see how all this plays out yeah we are i think we are definitely a couple steps ahead of where the show wants us to be right now yeah um in in some ways but um you know, overall, this episode was still entertaining. Uh, it had cool, com well, fun combat. I, I don't know if it's cool that Daryl was getting his ass handed to him by um, yeah. by two. But it looked it looked nice though. Two red shirts, <laughs> uh, and Carol had to bail him out again. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was a good choreographed, well choreographed uh, combat. You, the Hornsby stuff was just scintillating. Like yeah. Josh Hamilton, I'm gonna miss him. 
on okay. this show and and the way he could uh, squirm his way out of almost situations. Um, I will not miss his particularly bizarre interactions with Milton, though they were great and they added <laughs> to the whole thing. But those really just gave me the the shivers. I think uh, you were you were supposed really, to get the shivers. I, I know, but they were just really oh uh, gross. Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. I won't him. he was really good as a big bad. And apparently he wasn't the big bad. He was just kind of the medium bad. The medium uh, bad. Who had a lot of resources. The the opportunistic bad, right? Yeah. Um, So we'll we'll continue talking about this, I guess, the next time we get together. Uh, And the episode up after this one is Outpost 22. Um, So we we can... And that aired the... That'll, yeah. We, We don't have to talk about when that aired because it'll have been a couple weeks um, and then we're in the last four episodes of the season and of the show. Yep. Uh, so looking forward to talking about that with you. If you have any comments uh, about the, this episode in general, um, Hornsby, you know, Daryl getting his butt kicked, whatever you want, uh, what have you, uh, feel free to to send us an email at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, you can find us on Podbean and you have the information for that, Stuart, because I yep. don't quite have that down. <laughs> it, it's reanimated.podbean.com, and you can find uh, almost uh, all of our episodes there. Awesome. Um, and until next time, ciao. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>